Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to this. On the finest of Sporting Sundays, it is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. The podcast about rugby doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. As always, I'm here with the man who Mark Atkinson doesn't know, Phil Logan. How are you, Phil? Who? Exactly. <laughs> the anonymous man. <laughs> I, I, I don't, do you know who what's the point? Do you know who Mark Atkinson is? Well that, that's what I mean, who? Exactly. Um one all. <laughs> uh, I did enjoy I listened back when I was travelling back from Oslo. I really enjoyed your chat with Mark Atkinson. He's pretty cool. He's, he's very cool. He's a very funny bloke. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not that surprised uh, he doesn't remember me, because like, like he mentioned, he was only at Sedgley for a matter of weeks. Uh, although in the game that uh, Tim referenced to him, the Cornish Pirates game, he actually put me in for a try. Did he? He, he, assisted, he, remember he assisted a Largan try oh, in, wow. in that very game that you were talking about. Oh dear. So, uh, disappointing. And we're not joined by Tim today because presumably, well, he's in a festival up in Edinburgh, presumably off his face on either Ket or Meow Meow, or maybe both. Yeah, mind altering party drugs. <laughs> I, I hear he's hanging out with uh, Will Greenwood. <laughs> uh, pretty sure, for the record, none of that none of that is happening. Oh yeah, yeah sorry. Hang he, on, which one? Uh, the mind altering party drugs, the Ket, the Meow Meow. None, yes, of, none yes, of that is none happening. Of, none of that is definitely T- not happening. He does have major yeah, wi- major Wi-Fi if- issues, though. So yeah, he's well, I mean, unable. You if you're smacked off your face <laughs> and you can't handle your phone, uh, that's that's what I assume he's up to. Anyway, no, he's at, um, he's not. Is it the Edinburgh Fringe? He's, he's found some. I mean, he's found some events. Um, it's a. I, I'm not sure. It's some play about the uh, moon landing's not happening. So. Anyway, I'm sure he is very much enjoying that. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. Um, I'm sure it'll be comparable to my uh, weekend quaffing champagne in Oslo as well. Exactly. I tell you what, mate. Let's not start on a wrong note, but let's anyway. I'm so hungover today. <laughs> I'm okay, actually. You did enjoy yourself a little bit more than me yesterday, though. I was very drunk. I was very drunk, and I continue to be very, to be very, very, very drunk. Shouldn't really help actually, because today has been one of the most amazing days of sport I I can remember in literally years, particularly for a non rugby weekend. Yeah, I, and the level of sport taking place across England today with uh, the British Grand Prix. Yeah, I didn't top, even... top top by Wimbledon. Yep, which was topped by one of the most amazing sporting games 
I've ever seen in any sport. The England-New Zealand ICC Cricket World Cup final was just astonishing. I'm not, I, I mean, I'm not even a cricket fan. And I started watching. I only saw the start of the England innings, so I didn't see any of uh, New Zealand batting. Mm. And it just slowly grew and grew and grew. My word, Ben Stokes has got some absolute kahunas. Oh, God. Stokes and Butler. Because they, they were the two. Stokes and Butler, after England... They lost Roy, they lost Bairstow, they lost Root, they lost Morgan. And those two, when the chips were down, they dug in. Stokes in particular was just magnificent. Oh, oh, like, they were it, incredible. I know everyone says it's like a pressure situation. It didn't even look like he was feeling the pressure. It just felt like, <laughs> yeah, just give me the ball. Just another just another day. Yeah. So that, was, me, bro. so that was incredible. And then the drama towards the end of the England in- innings with Stokes caught on the boundary, but Bolt, who... Bolt steps over to give it six rather than out, which was a mirror image of Bolt winning the game against the West Indies when he caught uh, Carlos Brathwaite on the boundary to win the game rather than lose it in this case. And the Stoke six that wasn't a six, that was two, then hit him as he was diving in Mm. to go for four overthrows. I mean, that, to level the game... It's truly remarkable. It was astonishing. And then... I've never watched a Super Over before. Didn't even know it existed. No, neither did I. Uh, that was unbelievable. That Super Over was the most exciting thing I've watched in years, in years, and years, and years. The, the, I, honestly, I was thinking about this. The last time I got that excited by a single sporting game was when I was dancing around the room in 2015 when Japan beat South Africa. Yeah, maybe. My my heart was pounding. The adrenaline was going. It was, um, oh, it was amazing. I don't know. Sail bath this year was pretty good. <laughs> was that the one with uh, 35 reset scrums? Uh, the 63, uh, sorry, 63, 6-3 mm. uh, game. Um, yeah, that yeah. It's probably up there. But um, yeah, it was, you know, there's something very all blacky about the New Zealand cricket team. And it's not their talents. And not their kit. Not their kits. Their kit is dreadful, isn't it? Like, I, I love those those kits. I love the England, the light blue with the stripes on the shoulders. Well, actually, let's just talk about the New Zealand kit. When they wear it with black trainers, it just looks so peculiar, doesn't it? It looks like they're a swimming pool attendant or you know, the way the, the, the council dress their employees in weird outfits. It just does not look cool. The, yeah, they're going emptying bins from public areas. Yeah. <laughs> dreadful, in fact. Um, but there is something quite all blacky in... Just how organised they are. Like, yeah. they're such a cohesive unit. And because in the semi-final and the final, I don't know if you've watched much of this, but they, they've not posted particularly big scores. So they've been defending narrow leads and their, their team unit, their bowling attack, and Kane Williamson, who's been a super batter throughout the tour, but he has organised their fielding incredibly. So mm. they're, they're an impressive unit. And England as a team... Because England, so... Like Bairstow and uh, Roy, who were sensational in the semi-final, and Morgan and Root, who were also who finished the job in the semi-final when England hammered Australia, they all kind of flunked today in the in the yeah. batting, and it was only when uh, Butler and Stokesy came in and steadied the ship. God. Stokes, bloody hell, he can hit whoever he wants now, <laughs> do whatever he likes. God, those boys are going to have a good night tonight. They're oh, going to have just... a good few days. Well deserved as well. Can we not replace Australia with New Zealand for the Ashes? Oh, more interesting. <laughs> God. Anyway, um, I guess we it, should link this to rugby. Is there anything that uh, we could learn uh, from this Cricket World Cup which we can get into about rugby? 
Well, what do you reckon the chances are of having a repeat final, as in England-New Zealand, in the Rugby World Cup mm. 2019? Uh, well, not high. I don't think England are getting up the pool stages. And sometimes, well, maybe they are. I don't think they're going to beat Argentina, which means the France game is going to be a complete and utter lottery. So, very slim. I think <laughs> the chances are it's going to be between New Zealand, South Africa, France, or my three teams that are going to go go for it. It's going to, the final's going to be of those three. Which, you know, isn't a massive call, is it? It's a list, you know, three of the tier one nations. Yeah, three of the tier one nations. France, uh, I'm not so sure about France. And um, another, another look, on the whiteboard. Yeah, I think I, I think they're going to go well. Talk, uh, talking of the whiteboard, um, Marcus Smith has been added to the training camp, right? He has. There's five five players added today. Right, talk, talk me through this then. So. This is only announced, what, a couple of hours ago? As yeah. Recording on Sunday? This evening, Sunday evening, there was an announcement from the RFU to say they're having a training week this week in Bristol. Then the following week, they head to your beloved Treviso Ooh. for a hot weather or a heat in, intense camp. Um, so they've added five players to the squad, and three of those are from Quinns. So Mike Brown, Don Brand, and Marcus Smith, Magic Marcus, who is going to be, according to the whiteboard, England starting fly half by the World Cup. Yep. Um, they've also added Tom Dunn and Ollie Thorley. So you've got. See the point. Okay. So, well, first of all, the cost of this must be astronomical. I mean, people overlook this, but they have to be paid for training. It's not just games that they get paid for; they get tra- uh, tra- training cash too. The food bill. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> people might think I'm just messing around here. I'm not. What's when, an extra five steaks? When, when, you, when, you're, when you're cooking for yeah. 35 people. Like when Saracens went over to the States, I think the food bill well, was, 80, was 80 grand. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. It's like feeding the, the racing horses. Like, <laughs> just little things. And then you've got to get extra flights for one and extra accommodation. And you know, when you add it all up, the cost of adding five extra squad members must be bloody enormous to an already enormous squad. Well, that's actually the thing. The squad is l- small. So the squad up to this point is only 35 players. Mm. Now, admittedly, there's there's three who are injured players who are training or uh, rehabbing with the squad in yeah. Cruis, Mako and Jack Noel. But 35, considering it only gets cut down to 31, if you can compare, if you compare that back to... The Stuart Lancaster squads about this time, he had fifty odd blokes in. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, Stagger- staggeringly wasteful. And so, I, I'm I'm quite happy with the squads. I mean, I, I, part of me thinks these five players that have been added in. Part of me thinks you're either making up the numbers for training games mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, um, or are there a few niggles in the squad because they will have yeah. been pushed hard. Um, We've we've seen an injury elsewhere in Johnny Sexton, who's reported to have a dislocated thumb, which will keep him out for six weeks. Mm, pretty tricky that one. Which is he he should be available for all the games, but he won't be training properly for that period of time. Doesn't matter, does it? With, with Johnny, it doesn't matter too much. It's like, but you it's know, if Tom Brady doesn't go to preseason for um, <laughs> if he doesn't for for uh, Carcassonne, whichever Tom Brady you want to talk about. If he doesn't do Tom Brady doesn't do his twenty third preseason yeah, as yeah. a professional athlete, who cares? You know. <laughs> so okay, that's relatively so, interesting. But there well, are people in there who I you know I wouldn't say making up the numbers, but you know they're not likely to go to the World Cup, and there's people excluded who you think would be likely to go to the World Cup. The only one that's in there that. I think is unlikely, or was previously in there. I think is unlikely would be Lewis Ludlam. Uh, McConaughey, is he still he's there? possible. He he is there. 
it's possible because th- you only had with McConaughey prior to uh, prior to Thorley and Mike Brown getting added, you only had six outside backs. Yeah. So and you would normally take maybe five or six, depending on if you've got one who can also cover other positions. Willie uh, Hines. Um. Well, they only had three scrum halves in the squad. They've only ever had three scrum halves in the squad. Yeah, and Eddie Jones, in his, so his, in his Japan squad for the last World Cup, he only took two scrum halves. Mm-hmm. So Willie Willie Hines is possible not going, but it does depend which fly halves you go. As you rightly pointed out um, on the pod last week with Mark Atkinson, you've picked three paired halfback pairings. Yeah. So it depends if Danny Cipriani can move himself up the order, maybe Willie Hines also moves himself up the order. Hmm. Interesting. Now, another interesting bit of this squad was, so there's three players who've been announced to be doing, I'm, I'm reading a direct quote here, do specialised strength and conditioning work separately off-site. What now, I mean, I know what it means, but like, what does it actually mean? Well, it's it's an interesting one because um, Eddie Jones on a couple of occasions has referenced just how fit all the players have come in, what good condition all the players have come into into this squad. He said that the fittest he's seen them, he specifically referenced um, their body composition Mm -hmm. or the kind of the average, the overall body composition of the squad was the best he's seen. But three of them aren't up to scratch, this looks like. Now, do you know which three that is? Have you have you seen this? Are not up to scratch. Yeah. Well, I don't. I haven't seen it. So this is gonna. Be, so who would not be up to scratch? Now, a couple of them are like Tom Dunn or someone. Something like that. No, because Tom Dunn's just been added back in, but okay. not Tom Dunn. So a couple of them. I'll give you a clue. A couple of them have been injured for long periods this season. Uh, no idea. Oh, uh, okay. Marcus Watson. Nope. No, sorry, not Marcus Watson, Anthony Watson. Anthony Watson is one of them, yeah. Um, and his Tim mentioned it on a, a podcast it, quite a while ago when he first came back uh, towards the back end of the season. There is a noticeable difference between his right calf and his left calf. Oh yeah, massive difference. Like a, a real noticeable difference. So he's doing some work, which... Calf raises. Might be some calf raises. Calf raises. It might be just he's not actually played very much rugby in the past 12 months. So uh, he's the, in there. The other one who's been injured quite a bit? Oof, Underhill, something like that. Underhill. Oh, is that good? Yeah. Now, Underhill always looks like a physical specimen. But again, he's not... He is enormous in real life. But he's not got the miles under his belt. So yeah. I, I can see that. And then the third one, does he had a couple of little niggles, but he's played most of the season. A guy who's not not got the uh, the conditioning. Billy? Nope. I know. Sippers. What? Sippers has been, been singled out. So there's nothing more than that. That that one line that so Cipriani Underhill from the squad. Watson will do specialised strength and conditioning work separately off site. Bizarre. So Cipriani is the other one. Yeah, that is bizarre. I mean, I, I don't I don't even think he needs to be in good shape. Full stop. Personally, Cipriani is an interesting one for me because when he was a kid, right, I say a kid, he burst onto the scene at eighteen. Yeah, yeah. But in his early days at Wasps, in his first stint at Wasps. He was talked about as the fastest guy in the squad. He's rapid. He's absolutely rapid. But you don't see it anymore. You very, very rarely see it. He's, all of the kudos that he's been getting for the past couple of seasons is because of his decision-making and his distribution skills, which have been top-notch. He does have a running threat, though. But, yeah, you're right. The you, people don't you, talk about it, do they? You rarely, you rarely see it. And it's been a number of years, actually, well, you've rarely you seen it. You see it in some respects. I just think he's so well-balanced that he hides it well. It's like Ronaldo and heading. Ronaldo's an amazing header of, of a ball 
No one talks about it because he's so good at everything else too. And I kind of think that's what happens with Danny Cipriani. His main job is to pass the ball. He does his main job so well, you don't even notice it. But you, know, I've seen some clever little, um, you know, two on twos uh, when the when he's passed the ball, received it back, and then you know, t- uh, t- turned on the gas. So, so the, okay. I remember him scoring a try for the Melbourne Red Bulls. So you're going back six, seven years, something yeah. like that, where he did a show and go from the halfway line and gassed the whole way in. You've not, I've not seen that f- probably since he returned from uh, Oz. Yeah. So I, I think he hasn't maybe got that. But it, it's an interesting one anyway, because Eddie Jones clearly, clearly prioritises that trait, as in the, the strength and conditioning trait. So the the thing about Eddie Jones, apparently... Now, I need to get this the right way around. Um, His theory, I, I think, is along the lines of you can get any player and then make them massive via gym and strength work. Uh, and he's always thought that, mostly because he is fundamentally a very small man who used to play hooker. Um, so I've never heard him make that make that statement. Uh, it was uh, on... Do you know, but, I got that from um, a journalist who covers Japanese rugby called Rich... Rich Freeman. Rich Freeman, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, in fact, you can go back and go back and go back and listen to that. It, it was it was on Rugby Dungeon. Ah, okay. Bit of insight there. Yeah. So yeah, that that's the news from England's camp. Um, what was I oh yeah, you referenced England not getting out of the group. Um, there has been one game, other, unless you're going to drop down to Curry Cup. There's been one game of senior men's high level rugby this week, and it comes from Wales's group. Wales and Australia's group. Ooh. And that is... Fiji. Fiji. So, Fiji... I, uh, looking at this, it might not actually be right this, but look at this. Fiji are the fourth-ranked team in their group, or were at the time the fourth-ranked Okay, so Wales, Australia, obviously one and two. Georgia, and then Fiji, Uruguay. I think Fiji are going to be an absolute handful. Now, Fiji, they've comfortably beat what is... It's not the strongest um, Maori All Blacks team, but a few e- names in there. Every, yeah, there's, there's a few names, like more than a few names. Every Mario Black team will be good. So yeah. they, they travelled to Fiji and were handily beaten, four tries to two, um, by what is a very good Fiji team and a Fiji team that's got a lot of time together mm-hmm. um, and a phenomenal amount of talent. Yeah. I, some of the names in that team are astonishing. So Two is overplay. Two is overplayed. What position? 14. Really? Yeah. Uh, so Radrada didn't play, but they've got Radrada to come in there. Nak- He'll go to 13. He'll go to 13. Yeah. He's God, a, God. He's a special player. Uh, who, who else was in the Fiji team that we might know? Uh, let me get it up. Nakarawa played in the second row. Valami Mata in the back row. Bill Mata. Bill Mata. Yeah. To, to you, yeah. Bill, Bill Mata. Uh, let me get a couple of the other ones up there. But it was a, it was a handy team. And a very handy win, yeah. 27-10, stunning the Mario All Blacks. And Mario All Blacks, who had a couple of players who were will be pushing to get back to or into the um, full All Blacks team, guys like Reed Princep, guys like Akira Yuani, uh, and Nathan Harris, full All Blacks in their own right, and, and um, Triple T, the young scrum half. Mm. Um, don't ask me to pronounce his, his actual name. Tri- triple T will do. Triple T's absolutely fine, mate. Absolutely. Um, fine. So other guys for uh, Fiji: uh, Semi Kunatana or Kunatani. Yeah, yeah, I know. Ben Volavola 
Filippo Nacosi, uh, Livani Bottia, yep. uh, La Rochelle. He's an incredible player. Was he playing seven? Uh, he's playing 12. Of course he was. Of course. Of Obviously. course. Of course. Who is the guy who does a, a similar thing for Claremont? Um, the guy who's played back row and a tiny bit of... Um, yeah. He played on the wing a little bit, I think. He's an absolute nightmare. Yeah. So anyway... Anyway, him. Okay. So England have got problems in their group, or England and France have got problems in their group with uh, the strength and depth in Argentina. Wales and Australia shouldn't be taking this Fiji team too likely. And Wales have famously lost to Fiji uh, in the World Cup before. And Samoa. Yeah. yeah. Well, Western it, Samoa, of course. Remember in 2007, the Wales-Fiji oh, game. God, I remember I remember watching that game in Colombo Rugby Club. And we had one guy who was English, and that was incredibly <laughs> wealthy. In fact, you know, if you were to build a stereotypical English person for a Welsh rugby club to hate, it, it'd, be, <laughs> it'd be this guy. In fact, you might even know him. Uh, do you know Will Blackwell? I played with his brother, Tom, Tom Blackwell. Blackwell. Right. Yeah. Tom is lovely. Will, right, uh, was like this the stereotypical arrogant Englishman that went, uh, <laughs> that went to private school. And as soon as Wales lost, he got to the door. He's going, yeah! Like, uh, <laughs> celebrating so on and so forth. About five of us chased him outside. Uh, and we, he jumped in his car, locked it. And the only way that we got him out of his car is we, is we pretended to pour water into his uh, fuel tank <laughs> of his brand new Mini or whatever he was driving. <laughs> the other guy who had that stereotypical Englishman hating Welsh attitude, uh, not someone I've met actually, but who was renowned for it, was Ollie Cohn. Oh, yes. Who ended up playing, <laughs> getting one appearance for Wales. He's, one, incre- one he, he's incredibly English. Incredibly English. Uh, Bristol born and like defender of England, kind of that mentality, and then ended up playing for Wales. So. I think Fiji are going to be more than handful. Uh, they've had a good uh, win recently against France. And the longer they're together, the more dangerous they're going to be. They, yeah. so they got together, didn't they, like two or three weeks ago? They've, they've been together. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they will have picked up their French stars at the end of June or whenever the French top 14. So they, they will have had at least a few weeks together now. And they've got these back-to-back fixtures against the Maori All Blacks before then playing in the Pacific Nations Cup. Um, where they'll play against Tonga, Samoa, Japan, USA and Canada, mm. uh, which will effectively be their warm-up games. So that's that's actually quite a lot of rugby to play in a short period of time. Yeah, so it is. With not the enormous... They've got the talent, but they've not got any more, enormous amount of depth. You've got to hope they don't get any injuries. Mm. But with if they avoid the injuries, with that amount of time together to gel as a squad, they will be a real handful. Yeah. <clears throat> Exciting stuff. Um, we've got the champions, <clears throat> the rugby championship coming up. Why can't they get a better name for it than the rugby championship? <laughs> Such a garbage name. TRC 2019, the, yeah. rugby, the rugby championship. We have got that coming up. We'll do a little preview of that towards the end of the pod, pod right. shall we? Right. Game, first, first round of games are next week. Mm. Um, the other rugby that's going on this week. So there's been the Olympic qualifying sevens. Yep. Which England men and women have now qualified for. Very good. I think Canada qualified last week or two weeks ago. Okay. Um, so that's good news. So England have qualified so GB can compete. Um, Imagine if GB couldn't compete. Like four rugby player nations gone. Gone. Wiped out. Um, so there's that. And there's the Women's Super Series, which in 19 minutes time, the final game or the the deciding Is that game. Is TV anywhere? 
Uh, it's been on World Rugby's website. Oh, right, so we, okay. we, can, we can watch that in 19 minutes' time. I might watch that. I, mean, I might not as well, but I might watch it. England, who are uh, this thus far unbeaten, they've won three from three, although only just snuck past a very good French team uh, midweek. So England play New Zealand, who've only lost one game, and England are three points ahead. It's basically... What is a Super Series, is it? Winner, winner wins. Is this what the World Rugby would like the men to be doing? Which is no. everyone together every year and then set play a sort of quasi World Cup. No, I think it's it's a bit different to the what was proposed of the men's, partly because there's only five teams. Yeah, yeah but and, the principle's but, similar. But I guess the principle is similar that it's it's creating a more meaningful annual competition with where the best teams all play each other. Yeah. Strikes me the Super Series, um its main function is as some sort of totem for uh, journalists to whinge about. Because I've not heard anything complimentary about it uh outside of the first outside of the first game other than that it's just been people whinging about facilities and pitches and all sorts of stuff so there was a lot of positivity like you say going into it yeah loads and then some reports came out about the state of the the pitch the changing facilities the the stadium or lack of stadium um the training facilities the the condensed games because they're playing this they're playing a a uh like it's a five-team tournament, so each team plays four games over. It's Are only a couple. LA, it's only a couple of weeks. It, it's somewhere west coast of, of I'm USA. Sure it's LA. Let's just look that up. Look that, look that up a second. But you know, with egg chasers, um, what I tend to do is I tend to look around the globe, or more to the point, I tend to look at places that I want to visit, like New York <laughs> or wherever it may, may be, and then try and find rugby. So find the destination first and then overlap it with some rugby and then, you know, we can go on a rugby trip and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Great. Obviously, I've always wanted to go to California and obviously always wanted to go to L.A. And looking at the L.A. rugby scene, there doesn't seem to be anything which happens there. So having a major international women's tournament there, I mean, that one of the uh, complaints was la- uh, lack of spectators, but I'm not surprised if it's in LA. Who the hell's going to watch it? Well, it's not in LA. Oh right, it- <laughs> it's it is in California though. It's uh, San Diego. Ah, that makes more sense. Which does have a major league rugby team. Uh, well, it also the has San Diego Legion. Well, yes, and more to the point, they have um, one of the most famous clubs in American rugby, which is the Golden Gates. Home of no, the- you're thinking of the San Francisco. What did you say? Oh, San, San Diego. San Diego. Are you okay, Sorry, Jay? I'm not okay. I'm really not okay. <laughs> oh, right. So that's even more south. So San Diego. Right. Who do have a Major League Rugby franchise in the San, San Diego Legion. Yes. Who are also in the news this week because Stefan Armitage has signed for them. Ah. So actually, back just back to my point then about um, rugby towns. I can't imagine San Diego is much of a rugby town because, frankly, it's just a military base. Um <laughs> And also, it doesn't strike me as a very wise move to play so close to the equator on what's going to be solid. I mean, those pitches are going to be Dust, yeah. The, the, nightmares. The pitches do look pretty scorched, pretty dusty. Yeah. It, I would have thought they must have some um, like good 4G pitches. Definitely, just, just the, the high schools. Well, the, the pitch that we played on in New Jersey, yeah. the high school pitch... Was superb facilities. Well, the, the pitch we walked past on the way to New Jersey <laughs> yeah. was a superb <laughs> bloody three G pitch. The, I mean, the, there's no, there's the no facilities where the um, the college football team was walking up, uh, uh, was high, warming high, up on, high or high team. school. Sorry, not not even college. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they were baffled to see us there. It was completely empty. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch that whole thing, but you weren't keen. 
Well, we, we had a game of rugby to play. That is true. You had well, to put yeah, me in but for we could have watched, like, some tries. We could have watched the first cu- couple of quarters of that and still got in we could, time for our game. <laughs> we could have done. Yes, you're right. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of that, indeed. Uh, yeah, so Stefan Armitage has gone to San Diego Legion. Yes. Yeah, signing from, from next season. He's only 33. Or 30, I think he's 34 at the end of the summer. So he so. was at Pow, was he? Uh, well, Stefan or Dylan? Stefan. Stefan. The flanker. Yeah. yeah. So he was at Pow, I think. I think so, yeah. And, uh, Dylan uh, was, was at, or may still be at, Leon. Leon. Yeah. Yeah, he he's definitely at Leon yeah. because I think Stefan went to play under Carl Heyman. I don't know if he's still at Pow. He's not. There was um, what happened? A controversial. Um, I can't. So I'm not going to go into it because I can't remember the exact details. No, please do. No, because I can't. No, I, no, no I, please, please. Well, do you do you want to guess the details? Yeah, yeah. Go um, on then. Was it true that Carl Heyman went to? Um, it's a, uh, it's if it's the details I'm thinking of, it's not worth guessing because it's not good. Let's no, just, I, let's finish the uh, Carl Heyman. Discussion there. Oh, really? Really? Oh. Really? No, I, I thought I, I thought he was busted up in Edinburgh on mind altering <laughs> mind altering po- uh, party drugs with uh, Tim Cocker uh, and, and Will Greenwood. And Will Greenwood. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, right. Oh, interesting. Yes. Oh, uh, I think I do know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move we, on from yeah. That. I've just read the the headline from Don't read the headline. from New Zealand uh, stuff. Ex All Black Carl Heyman given suspended prison sentence for domestic violence in France. Oh, what a scumbag! Yep, let's end that there. Yes, let's. Right. Um, there has been some other transfer news this week. Uh, okay, so the King of the North is already working for the King of the North. Um, what else is there? Um, King of the North. What? Steve Diamond. Steve Diamond. <laughs> yeah. King of the North. Uh, Mark Wilson. Mark Wilson. As wild, widely reported. I, I'm not. I'm just. I'm, do you have a view on who is who is the rightful king of the north? Are those two? Uh, Mark, be, Mark Wilson. Must be diamonds, right? Mark Wilson. Well, I don't know. Could there yeah. be two king, kings of the north? Doesn't really work like that, does it? Well, it does in Game of Thrones. Yeah, not for long. It's all, you tend to get someone dead fairly fairly shortly after there's two. Yeah, I think two it, of anything. Yeah, that's a pretty good analogy actually. If they were both to be king of the north. <laughs> so there's that which was widely reported. Um, there's a bit of a bit of non-transfer news. In Alan Wynne Jones. Oh yeah, Disapp- moving. Disappointingly, from some respects, that's so disappointing. Although, although, I, I do kind of respect it because he's obviously got one eye. He needs to be playing for Wales to play for the Lions. Correct. He? Yes, and that must be in his thinking. Yeah, which is uh, it's simultaneously very cool and um, very very ambitious. I I, I love um, I love that. But he's also going to struggle with this thing, which I think that Warburton struggles with, which is his team have never done anything of any consequence. Well, not for a long time. In fairness, the Ospreys have done something like they have won things in the past. Yeah, and they have. I think they got into knockouts of Europe once and got. <laughs> that's got, that's not doing something. Got knocked out by Leicester Tigers. Ooh. I'm pretty sure that was the last time that they did anything of note in in Europe. Yeah, it'd be awesome to see Alan Wynne Jones do well with, with Ospreys. Deep into Europe, that would be what I'd love to see. I just don't. That won't happen. That can't. Kind of, that's not going to happen. Like, but look so, at uh, signings like Ainscombe. You know, they retain Alan Wynn. Yeah, you know, they do. Ha- they've got George North. Uh, Owen, what's his face? Uh, Williams. No. Yeah. 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 Um, like it's a pretty good first fifteen when they're all available. Yeah, when they're all available, but they, they don't have the depth. They don't have the experience over the last 
ten ten years. Yeah, you're right. You're all right. So I, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I think on one hand, it is it's a bold and ambitious call because he is basically putting a marker down to say I want to captain the Lions in yeah, two, in two years' yeah, time. Not a bad shot for it. So that that is I like that call. The opposite side is I kind of if I wish he'd have gone to England or France with a real chance of winning something. Sale. Uh, there, was, there was talk. Well, uh, so I think there's talk of everywhere. One, everywhere would have inquired. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's such a he's such a leader, such a, an important player. I wonder anywhere he goes, he will make that team better. Yeah. But I would have liked that ambition because let's just say he travelled to I don't know Saracens or Exeter or Claremont or, or mm. one of Racing, one of those teams, and he is um, still playing for Wales. He's um, getting to Champions Cup semi-finals, finals. He's getting to top fourteen or, or Premiership semi-finals, finals. He would still be. Like, why would he not be in the equation for the Lions? I just don't the, think the, it pro- works like that. the problem would be if he goes to one of those. You are going to want your money's worth. Because well, it just doesn't work like that, does it? Because if you're ineligible for an international team, you can't, you can't go on Lions. Like Lions, Lions. Um, Armitage was that exact question, wasn't it? Do they take Stefan Armitage because he wasn't available for England? He wasn't there, therefore available for the Lions. Oh, I'm not sure that's that's right. I'm pretty sure it is. But who who decides that? Well, the Lions is owned by the four unions, so I guess the unions would have decided before that. Like, look, if he's not playing for us, he, he can't come along. Hmm. And you're outside of like a high performance environment in you know top level rugby, so that's probably got something to do with it. Well, if he's at Saracens, he's in a pretty high performance environment. Yeah, I'm and sure he could do a oh, and he's got, Liam, actually, Liam Williams. Actually, what are we talking about? Because not only is he in a high performance environment, he's got more than enough caps to qualify. Oh yeah, so he, he's he more could, than sixty. He could do it. Yeah, yeah. How weird. So I, I'm, but he wouldn't have got. Uh, maybe Saracens is the one club that could have managed him to a degree. Do you think you could sign a contract with a club? Right? Do you think a club would do it where you basically said, "Look, I will play fifteen games. I don't care which games they are, but you've only got me for fifteen games. I'll come training every day, but fifteen games." That's your lot. I would have thought in a commercial negotiation you could do it. Yeah. I, no, but, so the reason I ask that is because like, George North's contract stipulated he could play for Wales, yeah. even outside of the window. And Premier Rugby said, no, you can't do that because it's not fair on all the other teams. Um, you have to put out your strongest team. And you know, the, the, if the Welsh players are contracted to you, they're not allowed to be released for Wales. And I wonder if they'd pull something similar if Alan Wynn or anyone else said, look, I'm only here for 15 games. The Premiership would turn around and go, no, no, no. They're either playing for you or they're not. Well, it's an interesting one. If it's, not the, if it's not the conflict of internationals, as in if teams just decide to manage their players and therefore they can write into the contract and get a discount effectively, mm. I don't see how you could legislate against that. I got no idea. But I'm um, sure, but it, it's the same. So, something. so all of the England, all of the EPS are they have restricted games. So, it's same with the New Zealand, the centrally contracted New Zealand players. They have uh, formally restricted games because they could only play. I can't remember the, the number, but say it was twelve games in Super Rugby this year. So, yeah. Bowden Barrett had to be rested for three games. Bloody hell! Okay. Which which does. Right. Uh, sorry, just to interrupt and uh, talk over you there. Well, am I sorry? Not really. Um, you weren't. You weren't listening anyway. I, was, I could see. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd switched off at some point. Um, <laughs> I've got something here which is pretty cool. Do you want to know about it? Um, 
Well, do you want to do the final bit of transfer news? Because I did a look while you were not listening. I did a lovely segue oh, yeah. into the final bit of transfer news this week, which is Bowden Barrett. Oh yeah, <laughs> go on. <laughs> Some Super Rugby transfer news. Do, do you want to? Um, please, please enlighten me. What, what what's happened to Bowden Barrett? <laughs> Bowden Barrett's gone to the Blues. And now is that is that a big deal? Yes, it's a massive deal. Why? Why because he has been leading. Uh, my beloved Hurricanes to multiple finals, uh, Super Rugby semi-final and finals, um, including winning the damn thing against the Lions three years or four years ago before the Crusaders started their unstoppable dancing march. (laughs) Uh, And then the Crusaders fired uh, Todd Blackadder. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) He he, he wasn't fired, actually. Yeah, until they let him go. Um, Winning. So, and his partnership with... um, TJ? TJ Perinar inside him and Laumapi outside him is pretty amazing. Yeah, And agreed. this is, it is shock news. It is total, certainly from, from what I've seen, a total surprise um, that he has gone to now, the Blues. As, you, as you're well aware, I know next to nothing about New Zealand rugby. Um, I know less about New Zealand rugby than I do about Welsh, Welsh rugby. Um how is this allowed to happen? Do the Blues control their own budget? I mean, I guess that they must do. Well, the players are centrally contracted, but then all of the organisations do have their own budget. So They must have put a lot of money into getting Bowden Barrett. I would have thought so. And also, like, that can't be... I can't make the Hurricanes particularly happy. No. In, well, it's it's a little bit like um, the Ospreys pinching An- Anscombe as well. Yes, you it got, is. You've got kind of centrally contracted players. Are you, are you okay, JB? Yes, I'm fine. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, although, uh, this is this this is news which I picked up this week, talking about not knowing anything about Welsh, Welsh rugby. Apparently they're phasing central contracts out of Welsh rugby now. Are they? Apparently. That's what I read. I thought this was like the, the master plan to keep everyone playing in Wales. Well, no, apparently not. Apparently the master plan is just don't let them play for Wales. Okay. Or something like that. I don't know. Well, the master plan, which won them the Six Nations this year, wasn't to do with um, Anscombe and Hadley Parks. It wasn't to do with their incredible Sean Edwards defensive structure. It was to do with the regions making them so miserable. Exactly right, Phil. Playing at their, the regions, at the clubs, that they were desperate, Wales. absolutely desperate to oh, get wait, out yeah, of that, that environment. That hellhole, which is your club. So your miserable club. So maybe this will just create even more uncertainty at club level. Therefore, they're even more motivated to play for Wales. Uh, maybe. It might be a masterstroke. Maybe that's exactly Gat- what Gatland's final, mas- final masterstroke to win the World Cup. Good old Gatland. Um, the, just, just back on the Blues for a second. So it is. So there's a similar thing, or possibly similar, when so Jack McGrath has gone to Ulster, yep. which was a player-slash-club-led um, movement with a centrally contracted player. Yeah. But it was more le- it was much led by the players anything because he wasn't he had fallen behind Keane Healy. So he wasn't getting as much game time for either Leinster or Ireland and he wanted to push for that number one shirt. Yeah. Now Bowden Barrett moving to the Blues is totally different because 100% different. Because he he is number one currently although the pressure on him is enormous. And arguably, by going to the Blues, he is playing for a worse team. Yep. Therefore, he is actually more likely to have his starting spot taken by the, in sublime form, Richie Munger. I mean, so it's really interesting from that side. I don't know anything about uh, uh, New Zealand, let alone 
uh, New Zealand rugby, really. But from what I understand, New Zealand's like a little bit of a bigger version of Anglesey. <laughs> and with better cricketers. With better cricket. Well, I don't know. I've never played cricket cr- 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 in Anglesey. <laughs> but let's say it is, right? Yeah. Let's say it is. Um, is this him just moving maybe to the big city? Because Auckland is the big city in New Zealand. Is it a, uh, a quality of life thing? I wonder. Because everyone likes to live, you know, in big... In, well, most people like to live in big cities, I'd assume. That's why they're big cities. Um, Bloody expensive, though. Like, London-style expensive. In What, in... Uh, Auckland. Auckland. Yeah. But I don't know how much... Because Wellington is the capital, isn't it? It is. But I don't know how much bigger Auckland is than it's Wellington. It's like an administrative capital. Like it might be Canberra like Canberra. Is, and Washington is. And Ottawa. Yeah. Is, is, is Ottawa capital of Canada? I'm sure it is. There you go. Um, yeah, it, it may well be. But it's... It, it, <laughs> It's a, it's a very surprising from my side. I mean, it's not like the Blues don't have talent. They've got some very talented players. So, more known than Sonny Bill Williams. Are, They're are reasonable. Or his likely centre partnership. They are reasonable. Yeah, they are. I mean, Marnonu has been talked up all year for getting back to, to the All Black squad. Yes. He's not yet made it back there, but he's a good player. I mean, they've got the best, in my opinion, the best outside back in the world in Rico Ioane. Oh, yeah, fine. Um, they've got... Augustine Pulu, they've got a few handy um two plotter the second row. Um so they they've got a few handy players. But it's just they are the fifth best and have been for a while the fifth best New Zealand team. So I'm gonna put it out there. I don't think this is now I'm kinda of thinking it through this doesn't sound like a bad move at all, really. Because you're moving to the the, the big city, okay? You move you've just listed a bunch of players who are there now. Um, if they want to go forward and they've got the right people, they're in a great position to do so. Bowden Barrett comes. That is like a huge, uh, we are open for business sign. It is. Come yeah. and join us. Oh, yeah. by the way, we've got, we've got Sonny Bill too. Yeah. And, yeah. and Rico Ioane. Who, who is, yeah, actually, Rico Ioane is class. Absolutely class. not be too bad at all. And his brother, of course, Akira Ioane. Who's also at the Blues. Also at the Blues. So, yeah. Watch this space. Right, we've banged on. Far too long Before about. Before you move on, who's going to be flying off for Hurricanes then? Um, I'm trying to think of the, the lad's name. There's a young lad who's played a bit this season when um, Bowden Barrett has not been playing. We almost lost to the Sunwolves, I think, with him uh, steering the ship. So, Ooh, fun times ahead then. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not. It's not the best news for as a beloved Canes fan. Yeah. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
You poor thing, Phil. I know. Feel for you. It's terrible. Anyway, that's all the big transfer news this week. The other two bits of news we've got on our agenda before we get into the predictions for next week. Ooh, the the uh, Super Series is just kick, kicking off. Excellent. Uh, what does the pitch look like? I've not I've not cut it up. How uh, just, oh, right, okay, fine. It, it's nine, 9 o'clock. It was due to kick off. 9 o'clock UK time. Mm-hmm. So the other bit of news before the... The, oh, the other two bits. So Premiership Rugby fixtures were announced this week. Yep. Did you see the Chris Boyd... Um, mini snippet interview I about did. it. And I wonder if you got that from Jamal Ford Robinson, actually. Why? What did... Jamal Ford Robinson tweeted that before Chris Boyd said it. Oh, really? Unless Jamal Ford Robinson tweeted it after he watched Chris Boyd say it. Possibly. Well, is Jamal Ford Robinson not now at Gloucester? Gloucester. Yeah. So, um, yeah, whichever way, the Chris Boyd one was quite funny, quite yeah. well well delivered. Well, we've looked at the, the, uh, the table. It turns out we play every team twice, once home and once away. But of course... He was wrong, wasn't he? So, um, you know, he should have done a bit of a humble brag. It said, said unless you make the playoffs like we did last year, in which case we got to be get to play extra three times. Lucky us. Yeah. And the one thing you do know about the fixture list, the every time they play Saracens will be straight after Saracens have just had an embarrassing defeat and they go and put 50 or 60 points on Northampton. I think that's fair. I think, I think that's very fair. Uh, so, so, so the, the the interesting bit about it, I need to stop saying interesting. Someone um, commented on Twitter about how often I say interesting. Well, you find lots of, you've, you, I, you've um, got a curious mind, Phil. I do, you're right, you're right, You Jay. find lots of things interesting. interesting. It's endearing. <laughs> Thank you. I, I also do say it when I uh, don't know what else to say. When you when you tell me something about... <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> ...about uh, American politics, I'm like, oh, that's interesting, interesting. JV. Oh, you got a new train set, interesting. <laughs> oh, fancy that. Um, so the other... Uh, the other thing we should observe about the Premiership Rugby fixtures is yes. have you seen the date of the final? No. 20th of June 2020. Oh, so it's quite far. So it's, into, it's yeah. a month month after which is they are starting a month later so it's it's not too surprising. It's a bit silly, isn't it? It, it does feel a bit silly as well. Well, you're going to end up so the England players will kick off their um, World Cup warm-up games in... I think it's about mid-August. So, so they will play from mid-August. Yeah, they'll play the World Cup. They'll play um, Premiership. They'll play Heineken Champions Cup Rugby. They'll play Six Nations. They'll go back to Champions Cup, back to Premiership. Finish that on the twentieth of June, and then if you're lucky enough to be selected for the summer tour as well, you've got a. I think it's a three-match summer tour from July. So you'll start your season in August and finish it at the end oh, of July. So it is a full 12 months. Now, the players will be getting managed in that, but it is a full 12 months of some brutal, brutal action. The Premiership fixtures. Yeah. I want to make a few recommendations to Premier Rugby. Not they'll listen to me. Oh, they should listen to me, actually. I mean, they really should. Um, but... I think the champions should always have the first game on the Friday night. Whoever the champions are, they always play at home on the Friday night. Or like maybe it. do NFL and do it, do it on Thursday night. I think Friday night is pro- probably better. Yeah. Um, and make a big song and dance about it. Yep. Also, the Premiership launch should be done at the home ground the club. of the champions too. So yeah. they do the Premiership launch. I don't know if that's the same thing as releasing the fixtures. Um. They normally do another, because there's the fixture, but then they do a proper launch, which is normally at Twickenham, where they get all the captains together. Yeah. Or it's, it's, it's not always captains, actually. Sometimes I mean, it's kind of notable players. Twickenham's boring. That's the thing. <laughs> like, Twickenham. Um, 
It's fun. Sometimes it'll be fun for our live show. You can definitely go. That uh, will be fun. That will be fun uh, on 4th of September. Look, 7th of September. Whatever it is. Um, <laughs> you know. Sign well, up for some, pull it together, JB. Yeah, sign up for some tickets or some, or, or some such thing. But it's not fun for everything. I mean, I'd much rather uh, Alliance Park, Park was used. And people say, oh, it's not for fans. It's for, you know. It's for journalists or whatnot. Well, make it for fans, then. It's not, you know, it's not beyond your wits. It would be good for the Saracens fans and the Saracens. So, at Ruby, at Saracens Rugby or Ruby Saracens Whichever on Twitter, um, there's, they've got a great little kind of community. Yeah, they do. They really um, do. Yeah, great little fan base. So I, Interesting uh, content as well. Hopefully, I'll be invited again to the Sail Shocks Summer Barbecue. Right, so they have two barbecues. They have one for the sponsors, and then the next day they have one for the fans, and they both pack out, and they pack out really, really easily. You're talking about hundreds of people all going on to Carrington, eat burgers, and watch the players train. Okay, it's a brilliant event. Now, imagine if Sale had won the Premiership. In fact, any team had won the Premiership. They hold it. They hold the launch at their ground uh, or at their tra- training ground. It'd be a great event to invite school kids to and whatnot. It much, much better than just going to bloody Twickenham all the time. And they've chosen pride, pride in it, too. Yeah. But yeah. Those hey, are, I, I could get on board with that. So those are my two things. The Premiership launch is at the ground of the Champions. The first game on that Friday night is always at the Champions place. I like they that. some pyrotechnics in. They can do whatever they want. In fact, here's another little little twist. Maybe the Champions get to choose who they're going to beat first. <laughs> Feel like the rendezvous club yeah, call. Yeah, the club call. Club call. Um, now, on that, the... Who do you choose for your opening game? Uh, probably London Irish this year. Nah, that's boring. You would... Call out Exeter. Call out Exeter. Exeter at home. Yeah, come now, on, boys. The problem with that got. is the opening weekend of uh, Premier Rugby is mid-October, and the majority of the Saracens and Exeter players will, of course, still be playing for England oh, at the World yeah. Cup. Or maybe not, because they'll be on the way home at that stage. That's a good point. They, they Just after, because the, the England's last group game against France <laughs> is on the 12th of October. <laughs> I, the, my favourite part of major sporting tournaments isn't the sport. It's the stories of the people that assumed they were going to get to the semi-final in the hotels. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Fills my heart with joy. <laughs> right. Final bit of news now. Yep. In a, in a slow, non-game news week, we're, we're dragging this out, but... Did you see the World Rugby axial loading ban? Right, okay. You mentioned this before the podcast to me, and you said axial loading's been banned. Uh, yeah. Which is fantastic. Fi- finally. 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 When will they get to grips with this axial loading problem? <laughs> well, we have an answer. They have got to grips with the axial loading. Now, let me point this out. I spoke about rugby on this podcast for, what, five years now. I coached twice a week. I have played well over two decades, and I have no idea what axial loading is, which means, does it need to be banned? Um, well, so the, at the um, World Rugby um, Law Variation Panel meeting a few weeks ago... Oh, my God, these guys. ...that, that we discussed a little while ago, yep. this, this was one that was agreed would be an immediate law ch- law change. So rather than the other ones which are like either for consultation or for um, limited trial, this is immediate worldwide ban on axial loading, JB. So No more axial I loading. Guess what, I, I, I'm not <laughs> even trying to play the idiot here. I mean, I'm, I might genuinely just be an idiot. I don't understand. <laughs> I can't even guess what it is. Um, is it rock-based? Nope. 
I've, I've got no idea. What is Axel Loading then? So, um, there's several places. A rugby pass got in New Zealand rugby's chief scientist. Oh my god! And oh my god. and also former international front rower Mike Ross I, the, the, but, the, to to explain what actual loading is. And after reading first reading the World Rugby uh, announcement, then reading this article and multiple other articles, I think I've got a, a gauge of roughly what it is. Okay. So when your scrum's set up. Right. Um, what is it? Crouch, bind, set. Yeah, that's now correct. Are your three calls. On the bind call, what has apparently been happen- happening, and there is some pictures to show this, is the hooker, or one of the hookers, or sometimes both of the hookers, yeah. has been put in... So one hooker puts his head on the opposition hooker's shoulder. Uh-huh. Um, and all of the players behind him kind of set their weight forward. That's correct. So all of the player all of their weight is so going through through your hooker's head onto the opposition hooker's shoulder. Right. So someone will correct me here. That's not how I understand it to work. Although I see what you're saying. Okay. Both hookers should have one of their feet down as their brake foot. Yeah. And then the p- pressure comes through them. And when they lift that brake foot, that then will engage the two packs and it'll give you a little bit more when yeah. you go in. So it's not necessarily on the shot on the head, but I could see the problem though, if they're ear to ear and the hooker's head, top of the head, is on the shoulder of Yeah. I, I can see that could so, be an so, issue. So this is this is exactly what they're saying. I mean, you'd that, have to be insane to want to try that. That the head So they're they're saying this is this is what is happening. Um let's see if I can get this picture up. It's not a very good picture. So the the only picture because it never happened. The only pictures are the ones that aren't <laughs> that don't really explain it. Anyway, that is what they're saying is happening. And then because because you've got so much weight going through the neck of your own hooker, there's a danger there. But also because you're putting it through the shoulder of the opposition hooker, it's kind of misaligning the opposition. So it's it's so that your team can get the upper hand when it comes to it. I know it's not a true hit these days, yeah. but when you properly bind or when you set, it's so that your team gets the upper hand on that because oh. the hooker and the tight head proper next to him are get, being disrupted. Their bind is being disrupted. So now they've, they've changed it. So immediately if the ref spots it, it will be a penalty. I, against, against I the, still, I mean, I think I... I don't. I have no idea how you'd look look for that. So it's it's looking at the picture. It's it's making sure the the idea is to make sure that um, that's the best picture that we've got. This is <sighs> so it's the but the ref so it will immediately penalise the ah so it looks like he's using his head in this picture right in order to yes he is on the shoulder but it seems like a nifty little way so you don't engage early. It, well, that there's probably an added benefit from that, but you are you are putting force through. So you you can't now put your head on the opposition shoulder, whether you're putting force through it or not. It'll be a penalty, and same as any offence, repeat infringements can lead to a yellow card. So. Well, thank God there that's we go. dealt with. I mean, yeah. you know, I, there's not many scrums that I've looked at and thought, oh, God, we need to sort out that actual loading. Actual loading. Uh, yeah, there we go. There we well, are. You complained about that first. I've, I've ne- you know, I, I, I even play front row, and I'm not particularly aware of it. I imagine this is one that's um, not filtered down to that level yet. Yeah, it's probably I a, it, well, but I mean, you, you get you get hard. 
at the lower levels, you get very, very few, comparatively very few reset scrums. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I will say this, though. Um, if it's effective enough for the All Blacks to be trying, and <laughs> you don't think they're going to pick up on it... There we go. Guess who's going to be axial loading next week? <laughs> right. Um, Ruby Championship. Yep. So, anyway, um, normal day in the Beardmore house. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And uh, I found a package in my hallway. Okay. This. Check out this, mate. What is that? This is a shirt, and uh, I'll tell you what it is. It's basically in quarter panels. There's a bit of green, there's a bit of white, uh, and the bottom is yellow. Uh, it says, best wishes, egg chasers, obviously. And a bit of black on there as well, yeah, black panelling. Yep. Uh, Suncorp, yes, Sun what are the two sponsors on the back? We've got Suncorp. Mm-hmm. We've got, uh, what are the other sponsors? Sorry, I can't see your laptops uh, in the way. We've got mates, Domino's. Mates. So... This was sent by our dear friend down under, Mick Ryan. Awesome. Um, and uh, it is the classic Anzacs top. Um, oh, wow. Exactly. So who played for the classic Anzacs? I hear you ask. Well, allow me to tell you. Uh, Matt Dunning, Jeremy Paul, Andrew Heath, Garrick Morgan. I've not heard that name for a long time. He used to be ace. Um, let's see. Stephen Larkham. He used to be pr- pretty Larkham, good. Larkham, he was a, a fairly handy player. Shane Drom. Shane Drom. Hang on, Shane Drom played for England. <laughs> Shane Drom played... Hang on, and he's at 11 as well. Shane Drom. We've been over the, the, the Shane Drama uh, before. Bristol, Northampton, Worcester, and England. One cap. So w- when was this last played then, or when was this played? That's a good question. When, when was that shirt from, do you know? Now you're asking... Uh, I have no idea. No idea. I like the shirt though. Um, Stephen Larkham, Nathan Gray, Chris Latham at thirteen. Um, uh, Anthony Saucer, Greg Morton. They are. Oh, Greg. No, I'm thinking of uh, Greg Wallace. Uh, yeah. So pretty cool, eh? Very cool. Nice shirt. And they were and this game they were playing. I'm seeing if there's anyone you recognise. A British and Irish Lions fifteen. And the answer is you'd probably recognise all of them. I wonder. So what? What, what British and Irish Lions was it? Hang on a minute. Name name the team and let's see what what year it was. So it's got to be two thousand one. So be the two thousand one tour. Hang on a hang on a second, right? So the British and Irish Lions: Robbie Russell, Mark Regan, Darren Morris, David Cork, Cork, uh, Corker. Don't know. Rob Taylor, Lewis Moody, Trevor Brennan, Ben Clark, Ian Martin, don't know him, Craig Chalmers, uh, Iosa, someone, sorry, uh, Rob Henderson, Lee Davis, bloody hell, uh, Derek Lee, and Ben Hinshelwood. That's quite a team. That's an amazing team. But yeah, there you go. And it's a mixture. It seems to be a mixture here of actual professionals. And people that were in the army. So Rob Taylor was the York, was the Yorkshire re- Regiment, as was as was Ian Martin, as was Isoa. Yeah. What what a nice what a nice little mix mix that mix that is amazing. Yeah, That's a, that is an awesome gift. Yeah. So that will take ne- pride of place. in yeah. the Rugby dungeon. Next time we stream live on YouTube, look out for it in the dungeon. Indeed. We've got to get take one of these down. Uh, <laughs> I can't possibly get rid of the Chris Robshaw one. 
Chris Robshaw the, the, signed. The Chris Robshaw one is so filthy because you wore it all the way back from London on a very hot day. Yeah. To do a, a reveal for me and Tim. I think it's rather filthy because when we were moving in here into this studio, uh, I left it on the floor for quite a long time. <laughs> and let's face it, I mean, it's about as valuable as uh, as the book entitled House of Lancaster. <laughs> uh, now, I was at Sale Sharks this weekend. Uh, no, this weekend, this week. This week. You're always at Sale Sharks. Yeah, but... Tell was, me something new. Well, okay, so it, it was quite interesting because I went there just... Um, you know, to nose about effectively. Uh, I had a lovely conversation with the uh, social media people, uh, but I also spent a lot of time with um, Neil with Neil Briggs, who is the academy transition manager. Now, the reason I bring this up is because all the sharks were out; they were marching up Snowden doing some team building, um, which unfor- which allowed uh, you know the sale academy staff to pick my brains. Uh, on you know various rugby bits, <laughs> but on, on were they service, asking you about axial loading? They were asking about all that. But the reason that I bring it up is because it's the first time really I've had I've had the chance to really talk about uh, academy rugby. I didn't realize what went into it, and the amount of detail and planning and welfare actually that, that goes into looking after the academy lads at sale is truly staggering. So we had a good hours chat chat about it. And their season, right, is planned out for all of their all of the games they are expected to play from pre-season all the way through through the Champions Cup, international breaks, and then till the end of the season. It is absolutely amazing. Is that the same for all clubs? Do you think, or is that um, is, it, well, is it unique? They have definitely over the last couple of years put more resources into the academy. And the other thing which impressed me as well is the journey that the academy lads go on, which very much involves the parents too. And the way that they ex- they explain it, which is like, look, you are here, uh, and then you know, if you progress to this stage, then you'll get some fir- the team appearances. After your first team appearances, you'll you'll reach a certain benchmark, and then you'll become a first team squad member, so on and so forth. So they plan it out as to exactly how a successful career develops. And it's just quite good the way that they go through it with the parents too, in order to, you know, everyone knows exactly what they're getting into. But on that, if everyone knows exactly what good looks like, then if you are starting to miss those targets... Well, that's exactly the point, okay? So I don't think that rugby... I mean, rugby, you've got to be very careful. And we should do a podcast on this, because I've got some really good graphs on, like, how players get paid. And it'd be worth talking talking about the, fin- the personal finances of how players organise themselves. Uh, but you have to make a decision. Is this game going to be worthwhile for the player? And that's a decision that the parents are going to have to make because the sacrifices that you've got to put into it are enormous. Oh, massive, yeah, yeah. It's it, that is a good thing to be doing to be mm. to be setting those kind of parameters up yeah. early on. Yeah, because I guess the other thing is you expect as soon as you've got the sale sharks badge on that you know it's a one way ticket to success, but mm. it's not. You know, there's there must be a hundred odd lads that go through sales doors every week. Of them, only a few are ever going to see, see see the first team. Yeah, yeah. Mm, very good. So it's good for you to offer something back to Sail Sharks as well. Exactly. Your expertise. Yeah, I think they really gained a lot from. Yeah, really yeah. Really gained a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one other thing before we do the previews for next week. Did you read the Tony Rowe interview in the Ruby Paper last weekend? I believe I saw some snippets of it. Did he say a few controversial things? He was very outspoken. Um, very outspoken in his dislike of Eddie Jones. Oh, excellent. So he's very much on your page. Yeah. So just, I'll, I'll read a couple of snippets here. 
So one of the questions, you're not a fan of Eddie Jones then? Mm-hmm. No, he's a strange guy who's made some strange comments about our game and the way we play. I agree with him. So, and then another question. So what if Eddie Jones bombs at the World Cup and England come calling for Rob Baxter? Um, Tony Rose response. You said if he bombs, but, <laughs> I, but I have no doubt that he will. I'm with him. I don't think we're strong enough. I, I, can't, I can't see us getting to the final, so Eddie Jones may go. But I'm fairly confident that Rob, even if he had the conversation, wouldn't be tempted away. And then he, he also mentioned, um, I, can't, I can't find the quote here, uh, about England England pinching or um, stealing their players, which was an interesting one. Stealing their players? What does that mean? As in, he doesn't have his full squad. Guys, he, he, it came across like he was a little bit sour grapes about um, players that they've kind of brought through the academy, go on to play for England and then either pick up an injury or aren't fully available, for whatever reason, aren't fully available for Exeter for the full season. Which is, it's kind of the opposite mentality of um, Mark McCall when he said we want all of our players, when he was talking about Will Skelton and Alex Good and and others. He said we want all of our players available. DOR's are about that. And uh, you won't believe this, I'm going to reference back my experience with Sale Sharks. (laughs) Standard. Yeah, you won't believe it, right? But Steve Diamond says the same thing. He says, we want as many of our players playing international as possible. I don't believe him because I know how well planned their their season is. So if John Ross, for instance, got picked for England. Or South Africa. Or South Africa. Don't discount that. Um, That, to me, does not sound like a great deal for Sale because they've, you know, they are so um, particular about when their players play and keeping everyone fit. And if they're coming back from internationals not fit or injured, that's a that's pretty serious stuff. Yeah, and Exeter will be no less detailed than Sale Sharks. Well, Sale, there are two positions where they can afford players to play. Certainly now will be back row. Yep. and back three. Yeah, because if say Ashton and Denny get call up, you've got like next cab off the rank. Like, yeah. you've got the the strength and depth there. If it was say, uh, certainly a couple of seasons ago, Ross Harrison starts getting called up for England. Oh, good god! And he's played eighty minutes week in week out as their by far their best loose head and so integral. Then that would be an issue. It'd be a huge issue. Yeah. Um, let's just carry on talking about Sel- uh, a second. <laughs> well, yeah. um, James O'Connor. Um, oh yeah. Me and Tim spoke about this, but it probably leads quite nicely into the championship or whatever the, that's, that's the called. TRC. Yeah. Um, would are you excited by James O'Connor returning to Aust- Australia? I'm exci- excited by some of the potential headlines, <laughs> either either him going a wall as he has been known to in the past, yeah. or um, him um, trying to get the Australian rugby team, uh, Taniela Tupu, for example, into the uh, the. Uh, um, I don't Play even know sticks the, before games and that's yeah the the woke breathing routine that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, that sounds quite interesting. That sounds quite fun. I can't. Im- I mean, yes, he's a good player. He's got good feet. Um, are, are his feet I mean, as good as they were? You? you would struggle to look back at his performances for sale and say, yeah, that's a truly international class player who we desperately need to see in a World Cup. Is that is that harsh? I. I well, you are normally the biggest fan of sale players, so if you're saying it, uh, I mean, he has I, had a few tremendous games, but but very I, infrequent. I certainly don't disagree with what you're saying. Um, 
yeah, he's he's done some nice things. He has not looked like a world-beating talent. No, he's not looked like the James O'Connor from, say... 2013, even before that. Yeah. Like the one that we, well, before that. London Irish was amazing. And I'm sure he is very... Well, he is very good when he's fit. But I, I guess you'd be looking at him to replace Israel Falau, maybe? No, he's played a lot of his rugby more recently uh, in the centre, hasn't he? Which is funny because, you know, originally I, we were told unconditionally he's not a centre. He is not a centre. He's here to play outside back or 10. He wants to play 10. I don't see him playing 10 for Australia. No. no. And maybe he moves out to 12, but he's not a very big man. No, and he, he doesn't have the... He's ferociously strong, though. He doesn't have the the pace. Oh, I, I don't think of him as having the pace anymore to be uh, really an outside back. No, he's got tremendous... I, I know he has so. played 10 through 15 for Australia. Uh, in the past, he seems like but he's, he's, he's not most... played for them since 2013. He's not played international rugby for six years. I know. Uh, he it strikes me as the most Australian solution to an Australian problem, <laughs> which is look, we've got a generic, you know, a, a generic hole in our backs. What what have you got for us? Oh well, here's a generic back without a true position. And how many of these guys can you have? I mean, Curtly Beale just and goes back to 15, I guess. And he, he's an obvious. Or, or you, you could put Reese Hodge back there, or you've got Dane Hale at Petty. So yeah. they've got they've got options. Or what's the is it Banks who's been playing for the Brumbies and playing well? Mm. I want to say Marty Banks, but it's not Marty Banks because that's he's yeah, a, he's, um, but there is um yeah the, the young fifteen who's been playing for the Brumbies is playing well. So he you've got options there at fifteen. So I I can't see it being that. Um, part of it struck me as um, Checker trying to repeat history. And the reason I say that is because prior to the 2015 World Cup, he brought back a few kind of key individuals from Europe. So Gitto, yep. um, Drew Mitchell, yep. Dean Mum, Sokopi Kepu, all came back into that squad. Um, I think Kepu had been in and out and in and out, but the, the others, they came back in for the leadership, for the experience, and they made the World Cup final on the back of those those guys playing awesome. Now, I don't see James O'Connor in the past, or certainly not now, being the same calibre as those other no, individuals. I don't know. So, I think it's a risk, because, yes, he's a reinvented man. I'm not sure how much I want you know, peace, harmony and love <laughs> entering the training camp. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the guy that I really wanted to be in the Australian team, or would have if I was Australian, and I did for him. Nick White. Well, he's a good one, actually, to come back from yeah, Europe. Nick White would be class. But the other one who's come back from Europe, admittedly, a couple of seasons ago, um, and who's been playing brilliantly, and I said it a few weeks ago, is uh, Christian Lili Lofano. Yes. Who, his leadership for the Brumbies, his control, his composure, his experiences, both away uh, playing at Ulster but also his experiences outside of the game and his recovery from leukemia. I think he's, he is exactly the kind of guy you want in that squad. He's a, he's a leader. He's such a good all-round player and he, he will give something to a team that no other team has. So and, and that kind of grit and determination is something that the Australian team could really do with. Yes, I completely agree with that. Anyway, we'll get to, we might even get to see him play this weekend. Uh, I think he's, from what I read, he was in the kind of wider squad rather than the the playing that squad. Correct, he's yeah. training with the squad, so maybe not. Um, did you see the other news on the rugby championship? Um, 
Let's go with Com- no for now. Coming out of uh, Joburg. Go on. Um, T- Taniela Tupu, uh, the Tongan Thor, 135kg. I'm aware of it. Tight head prop. Uh, got mugged. What? And this is not a Matthew Bastaro uh, mugging. Who would he, do that? He, he actually got mugged. He was walking back. He said they went... The the front row went for dinner across the road from the hotel in Joburg and were walking back and someone grabbed his phone, ran across the road, jumped into a car and sped off. More robbed than mugged then? Uh, yeah, some of the headlines were robbed, some of the headlines were mugged. Yeah. But it doesn't really sound like a mugging. Well, he's had, something, he's had something stolen from him, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh dear. So, he, he's okay though. He got minor cuts to his arm. Uh, Christ, so maybe it wasn't more of a mugging then. Well, I think it was minor cuts to his arm trying to get it back from a moving car. Uh, Crikey. <laughs> you rob a phone from that guy. I know. I mean, well, it's the front front row. So yeah. if the guy ran across the road... So what that's phone was it? I, <laughs> I mean, there's more questions than answers well, here. Phone, phones are pretty much useless anyway because they're all locked. I think if you're in the business of stealing phones, though, you probably know a way around this. Maybe. So I lost my maybe. S... Eight in Madrid before our live show. I know exactly. I know exactly the group of guys that uh, that stole it too. I'm pretty sure that I did. Uh, who knows? Um, <laughs> but you know, if you're into stealing phones, you know you how probably to, know. Yeah, or well, you know a guy. They might be uh, trying to extract the rare earth metals from it and sell them on. Well, exactly right, Phil. Ex- exactly right. Well, stock them for years at a time, but, and then in in fifty years' time, your uh, lithium from the battery might be worth. A hundred times what it is now. That's a very good idea. Well, Commod- it, so they're effectively commodity traders. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? In this case, it went okay because it got in a car and sped off. But you only need to make one mistake. I know. Yeah. With with the Australian front row. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Like, it's not a great idea. Um, yeah. And, you know, good luck to them. Yeah. Right, yeah. Luck. It's a dangerous game. Uh, they pulled it off, but next time, you're not the front rowers. So after. Teasing you with some previews for most of this pod, uh, while we talk around various different things, the previews for next week. So we've got in Joburg, South Africa host Australia, mm-hmm. uh, and we've got in Buenos Aires, Argentina host a slightly depleted New Zealand team. Okay, where's your where's your money, Jay? Uh, South Africa to win and give me Argentina based on nothing more than they need to win. Uh, if they're going to be serious competition for England. So, yeah. So, I might be with you. I think South Africa probably will win. Um, Australia have got more than enough problems on on and off the field, but they've got plenty of problems. So, And South Africa are timing their World Cup run nicely. Um, and Argentina and New Zealand is an interesting one because the Argentina team is going to contain a lot of the players that were beaten... Uh, or I imagine they will. They, they, might, rest, yeah. they might rest them, but... There'll be a number of players with points to prove um, from a couple of weekends ago. Uh, in they were the, the Jaguars were a little bit unlucky in that game. They created chances. I know you spoke about it briefly last yeah. week. They created some brilliant chances, and in drier conditions, they would have scored. I mean, was it Maroney um, and Buffelli? They, they had there was he got basically over the line twice and couldn't get the ball down. If you convert those two, it's a different story. I felt but that the all the all blacks, yeah, call them the all blacks. Basically, the all the blacks. All blacks right? um, they just worked out what to do. The defense second half was yeah. unbelievably good, and the conditions and helped them in that. The conditions did help them in that. So, 
But the, Argentina have got a point to prove. So, and none of the Crusaders who played in that game have travelled with the uh, New Zealand squad. So, I wonder how many of the Hakuwas will play them. Maybe they're it, rested too. They might. It might actually be sensible to rest them because, bear in mind, they've done I don't know how many, multiple thousands of miles. They've done let's just say between five and ten thousand miles on that round trip from Buenos Aires to uh, Christchurch yeah. and back two weeks ago, it might be sensible for them not to play in that one. I wonder how much that's going to play into the World Cup, you know. the Just the sheer um, comfort they have with travelling and being away from home. Yeah. Whereas England, not so much. France, definitely We're, not. No, France, not not at all. Not None of the European clubs, really. They, they stay one night before yeah. the game. They don't do three-week tours routinely. They do it once a year if they're lucky. Would you like to go on a three-week tour? Yeah. yeah I think I would as well. I yeah, that'd be good Good fun. Awesome. Coffee with the boys every day. Coffee with the boys every day. You go to some really cool places. Yeah. Mind you, I bet it's a bit of a pain. I wonder how the training works. I wonder if you have to be hosted by... Because if you think about it, you're there for the same competition. So if you're the Haguaras doing a three-week tour of, for instance, Australia... I wonder if the Australians have to host you out there. For yeah, there'll there'll be facilities put up, won't there? Um, I I wouldn't have thought they'd share the same training ground, but it might be they might if they're in Melbourne, they might use the Melbourne Storms training yeah. ground, the Rugby League equivalent. Should really find out more about that. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we, we've got a three week tour coming up, two and a half week tour coming up to Japan, so uh, we'll get to find out exactly exactly right. What training facilities are we going to be using? Uh, we're doing a lot of spas I, we, do, we are doing a lot of spas we're going to watch the USA train uh, I'm convinced that we should do that yeah I'd be keen to do I'd that I'd like to do that more than once yeah I'm sure we can arrange that uh, right, I think I think we've covered everything shall we, shall we go right, home I think we've more than covered everything uh, let's okay. go home and I'm going to I'm going to re-watch the highlights of the cricket just so I can savour it again goodness me yes not a bad bad shout um, okay, so before we go, remember, go to Akuma Rugby Shops because if you buy one of our wonderful merino wool tops there, you might get, you might get, you should get, actually, one of our amazing Egg Chasers club ties. One of the originals. There's only a limited amount left. So once they're gone, they're, they're gone. gone. They're gone. Yeah. I, I, don't even think you can, I don't even think you can buy the ties now. I'm not um, even sure. I'm just thinking about my tie rack. I've not seen my egg chasers tie for a while. I have kept a small stock oh, here, good. just in case you and I need an extra one. So um, go to akumashops.com slash egg chasers. Yep. Also, go to podcastlive.com to pick up oh, your, your tickets. Oh, you about the terrible news. No. The awful news. No. Yeah, terrible news. Um, terrible news. Yeah, the Rook podcast has pulled out. The Rook has pulled out. It, Stephen Jones. Yeah, Stephen Jones pulled out. has pulled out. Was it him or his people that uh, uh, well, pulled, pulled them out? Well, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's anything to do with ticket sales, but I do know the ticket sales sales numbers, and it would make a compelling argument why they shouldn't <laughs> be there. But they have pulled out, and it's a real, real shame. I was looking forward to seeing Stephen again. I was as well. Um, Having a few drinks with him. Exactly. So, yeah, they just couldn't get anyone to come watch them, I guess. So, but uh, we will be there. Brian Moore will be there. Will Greenwood will be there. Yeah. But more, impo- <laughs> more importantly, we will be there. We will be there. And as soon as we've done that, I think we will go for a few drinks in Richmond. Ab- 100% so we will. come for, us, for a few drinks in Richmond as well and I don't know, so talk about whatever you want. 
So it's on the on the seventh of September, twenty nineteen. Your tickets can be purchased now from podcastlive.com we'll have a great time JB will be celebrating his uh, JB 2020 campaign we might have to be 2021 but 2021 campaign whichever one it is his upcoming election campaign that we'll have some Negronis uh, we'll have some generic banter there'll be some banter there'll be some some pretty standard stuff from me when I'll I'll tell you what's going to be on the podcast I'm going to be telling you how England won't qualify for the group stage just regardless of any evidence that uh, pops up between <laughs> now and when they play. You will be spouting verbatim what Tony Rowe has said about Eddie Jones as yeah, well. Tim will be talking about free speech. What will you be t- talking about? Uh, Tim will also be talking about the, the cesspit of Twitter. The cesspit of Twitter, yeah. We'll uh, that. And and he might be talking about his mind-altering party drugs from his <laughs> festival this weekend. <laughs> Uh, I, I hope he comes back alive. Yep, yep. Uh, I'll be I'll be finding everything interesting, of course. Of course. And trying to keep you on the straight and narrow when we're talking about... Oh, and I'll have some great Cell Sharks anecdotes. Of course. Know. I'll be trying to stop you from rolling your eyes every time I mention uh, Super Rugby. Mm. <laughs> or, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean, oh, it'll be like all, all our other podcasts, but we'll be in Twickenham. The one disappointing thing, which we, we do need to correct... So we, we did mention on a pod a couple of weeks ago that England are playing, I think it's Italy, the night before. They are playing in uh, Italy. However, it's at St. James's Park up in Newcastle the night before. Yeah. So you could do both games. It's a bit of a, a trek. They might even watch the game in Richmond. Uh, we might do. On a if TV. We, if we're going to travel down on the Friday night. TBC. TBC. We'll let you know nearer the time. Yep. All be good fun. Absolutely. Right. I want to go home and watch the cricket again. Right. So, uh, yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.